Hello and welcome to the second episode of Loaded Sport, where we're going to be previewing this weekend's sport in action. Just before we get things underway, we've received a lot of positive feedback on the uh, review show earlier on this week, the first episode that we did. Just want to say thank you for the uh, positive feedback that we've received, but don't feel that your contribution to the podcast has to end there. We can now be found on Twitter, at Loaded Sport, on Instagram, Loaded underscore Sport as well. And a link to these pages can be found on www.loadedsport.co.uk with written content being uploaded there often. We kick things off today by looking towards the final weekend of Premier League and Championship action before the World Cup gets underway. And joining me to discuss this are my two esteemed companions, Skin and Kemp. Hello, lads. Hi, mate. Hello, mate. I've never been called a companion before. I know, I just had instant (laughs) pictures of us three in a bed, tops off. Oh, no, had, no, no, no. I had pictures of Lord of the Rings-esque walking through. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No. Companions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going going down the merry way. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good, lads. I'm good. Hope you that, are too. If that doesn't give our listeners an insight into what our minds go to, then uh, I don't know what will. But yeah. One I'm word and two Thank very you. different outlooks from both of you for it. Um, what, just... what were you thinking when you said companions? Like all holding hands going down a beach on a friends on a, yeah during a lovely sunset linked arms yeah Doctor Who like I think I think you thought Doctor <laughs> Who Skid, Skid you're definitely Billy Piper by the way just to quickly is that a compliment into, oh always just to quickly just add a little bit of um, layering to this to this podcast obviously episode one was episode one you know there are things that we need to improve on there are things that, that we need to do better it was episode one um, but what I will say is thanks everybody for the feedback that that I received uh, from people that I know and from from people that I don't know as well. But feedback from everybody is great. Um, when we say skin, because not everybody will realise this, we are actually referring to Dawson. And if you are as immature as us, you'll be able to put that one together for yourselves. Sorry, I mean, Adam. I'll, sorry I'll, I'll explain it now if you want, just to clear up anyone that might not. I mean, is that like, you know been playing you know playing to the crowd and, and making making it out mate, like you've a got little a, bit dumb mate you've, <laughs> not necessarily you've got to pop the boys in the truck haven't you so um it simply comes down to this dawson doorskin rhymes with foreskin skin and that has been my nickname for close to 10 years now so that's literally it so yeah when i say skin they mean me but it's i'll be 80 years old and still getting called skin just yeah, for right. absolutely no yeah. other reason yeah, yeah, than yeah, doorskin yeah. rhymes with foreskin. That yeah, is literally would. it. Definitely making it to 80. Yeah. Go on, then, Ag. That's I'm about as mature as I expected of an explanation from you as well. Um, we'll start... I can't help it. <laughs> Some... That's the explanation. I've not fucking made it up. We'll look back towards uh, the games that were played on Tuesday night in the EFL Cup. The third round um, is nearly um, all done and dusted. And we'll look at the first one, the upset from 22nd in League 2, Gillingham away from home, drawing 1-1 in 90 minutes with Brentford, taking it all the way through extra time to the penalty shootout and Gillingham winning 6-5. So Brentford, not the worst side in the Premier League, actually one of those sides that you'd expect to do mid-table, maybe into the wards of the top half. Ivan Tony scored the goal for them. They fielded a strong side. A lot of credit's got to go towards Gillingham. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you said, 22nd in League 2 and they've knocked out a Premier League side. What that does now for their confidence in the league is, is surely only going to be a positive thing, but... It's the magic of the cup, isn't it? I know it's normally associated with the FA Cup that term, but any given Sunday and all these little sports terms that we like to use that mean that any single team can beat any other single team, no matter where they're ranked or what they normally get up to. 
when it's a, a one-shot knockout game. So, yeah, great to see. And, yeah, they'll be open now that that can give them a bit of momentum in League 2 and hopefully not end up getting relegated and joining your boys in non-league football for the next few years. And at the time of this going out, Manchester United against Aston Villa is yet to take place. So your prediction ahead of that game, Aston Villa won quite convincingly at the weekend. It's now at Old Trafford. You're going to completely ignore my comment about your boys still playing in non-league football for the next few years. Uh, no, mate. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to put that to one side and not even rise to it. Okay, fair enough. Um, yes, a cup game. It will depend on sides, won't it? I, I imagine both teams will play a, a weakened side and certainly not the same eleven that played in the league on on Sunday. So, yeah, EFL Cup is never the biggest priority for the bigger teams, but bigger teams have you know seemed to have won it these last few years. Can't remember the last time where a team outside the big six won it, which probably going to make myself silly and someone will tell me it's been within the last three years or something. But... It was Leicester, wasn't it, a couple of years ago? Yeah, but they were still decent at that time. I wouldn't say that would be too much of a side, shot. Big six though, aren't they? Yeah, maybe not so anymore. Whoa, but... whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Leicester, didn't they no, win? No, it was FA Cup. Oh, the, the FA, FA Cup. Cup. The FA oh, Cup. fucking journey's guys, back, lot. Guys, guys, Say whatever guys. you want about that. Fucking you actually Jeno's agreed back. with me. You agreed with me. Just you obviously so thought it back. as well. Anybody Jeno's who doesn't back. know Adam Marsden, this man went to university to study journalism. Yeah, I didn't and study I did like FA Cup trainers, did You I? agreed with me. Well, you, you did agree with me, and I didn't You're study FA Cup. You're meant to be the man with a sheet of paper. I didn't agree. I'm not stupid. No, you pointed out. Well done. Um... But yeah, but United Villa, AFL Cup, to be quite honest, I couldn't really give less of a shit if I tried to to be. Um, to the point, because we spent, I spent enough time talking about that game on Sunday, or from Sunday, and I don't really want to spend too much of my evening talking about it again when about 80% of fans don't give a shit about that cup, as tough as that might sound. Yeah, and I think, to be fair, the last time a non-top six or big side won it, I think it was Swansea City 10 years ago. There you go then. Beat Bradford in the final. Don't know what I'm talking about. I think that's what it was, but I'm I'm happy to be uh, corrected by one of one of the more intelligent people, so nobody on this podcast. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Um other than the EFL Cup, there were a couple of championship games, um, one of which saw Sheffield United lose by a goal to nil against Rotherham. So just as you get excited about uh, a great win against Burnley, you give it up against Rotherham. That goes the game in hand. Yeah. That's it. But, <laughs> that's I mean, what he's got to say. We need I to mean, say no more on I that. Say? What else can I say? I mean, we, 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 didn't, we didn't click. We looked poor. We looked just as poor against Rotherham as we looked good against Burnley. Um, it's, it's concerning. I saw a stat earlier that since Hecky took charge... Before the last nine games, I think we've conceded eight goals since he took charge. And we've conceded, I think, eight or nine in the past nine games or something like that. So the stat basically was is that for a long time, we didn't concede many at home. And for the last few games, we've conceded a few. And um, yeah, the magic of the championship. But unfortunately, um, when you're a supporter of a side wanting to get out of the championship, it's not always the uh, the most delightful league to play in. But, hey, it's a long season. There's a break coming up. We go again. Yes. Have you ever thought that maybe you're just not as good as either you think you are or you hope you could be? Well, no, because I think I actually said that we were finishing the playoffs. So, me, personally, 
I think we are about where I thought we were going to be. Um, but that's that's the hope of sport. Even if you don't think your team's going to do well, you, you you hope and you pray that your team will do well and you want to do well. For example, Adam Marsley's Chesterfield, you know, they're never going to get out of the Van Rommel National League, but Adam hopes they will. It's the hope that kills you. We're going to have to bite you. on. Now, we're getting out of the, the National League. I won't worry about it. We're playing very uh-huh. good football at the moment. Skin, you saw um, you saw us uh, the weekend, didn't you, against Northampton in the FA Cup? Did, mate. Um, and I'll tell you what, if you'd have gone to that game not really having a much knowledge of lower league football and were told that one team were sort of, you know, top, what, third in National League at the moment, is it, Adam? Uh, third in the National League, yeah. Yeah, playing third in League Two, you would have thought that Chesterfield were the League Two side. They were absolutely fantastic. I know the scoreline was only 1-0, but they played them off the park. Northampton Town hit the post in the first half, and to be honest, other than that, I can't really think of any clear-cut chances that they had. Some at Wrexham towards the start of the season. We all know about Wrexham and the publicity they're getting at the moment and the fan base that they're growing. And again, played them off the park. It just seems to be sort of the, the teams that you would expect them to beat they seem to be struggling to beat and they seem to be playing their best games against teams where you'd think they'd struggle, which in a sense is a good thing, but Notts County and Wrexham are above them at the minute and both playing very, very well. You know, they're gonna they're gonna have to start winning those easier in quotation marks games if if they're really gonna, you know, be pushing for that automatic promotion. You spot saw us play Wrexham, didn't you, as well? Yes, you mate, I just said it about thirty seconds yeah. ago. That's uh that two 0 win as well back in August, I think it was. Yes, mate, it was. They they were phenomenal that day. Interesting stat on Wrexham. Um, would you like to know their home record and their away record just before we move on? Go on. Yes, please. Wrexham have played nine games at home. Won nine, drawn none, lost none. I should hope, I should hope so. But yeah. Away from home, they've um, won three, drawn three, and lost two. So it's fortress. It's definitely their away form letting them down. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a strange one, but the National League, as we know, is very competitive. Um, and if you are going to get out of there, Adam, I think it's going to be next year. I think this year, Notts County and Wrexham will just have too much. But you never know in the playoffs. Toughest playoffs in the world, I think. Yeah, I'd say it's up there. I think it all depends on what happens in January, depending on any transfers that happen, because Notts County have got a goal scorer that I think will overtake Shimanga on the... Uh, the requested list for most championship sides. I know Shimango was set to go to Birmingham, but that fell through at the last moment. So he's a South End boy. Yeah, I think that's so where right, I'm that's going to go over your head. Don't worry. It did. <laughs> it did. It, it, means, it means he's from South End, Adam. It doesn't. But okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on towards Saturday, the final games of the Premier League and the Championship uh, before the World Cup starts. We'll be talking at length before the World Cup starts next week. So we'll look towards the Premier League and the final games for some of these uh, sides to really get. Well, I say momentum, but some of the players to really give a last ditch reason as to why they should be uh, called up to their country for uh, the World Cup. Man City against Brentford, the early kickoff. Bournemouth, Everton, Liverpool, Southampton, Notts Forest, Crystal Palace, Tottenham, Leeds, West Ham, Leicester, Newcastle, Chelsea, and Wolves, Arsenal. Any games that really shout out for you there? That there's good opportunities for players to go out there and, and, and prove why they should be on on the plane to Qatar. Um, I don't think so. I think Gareth Southgate um, has made up his mind. Um, I think Gareth Southgate's made up his mind. 
maybe a year ago. <laughs> um, I think it, squads it, announced tomorrow, isn't it? So it, it I think it's to more. Me, and again, I have I've not I'm not the biggest fan of Gareth Southgate. Whether that be you know joking, aren't you? Well, yeah, there you go. Um, and anybody obviously knows my football views knows that I'm not the biggest fan of Gareth Southgate. Um, but what you can say about him is whether it's a good thing or a bad thing is he's very loyal to the players that he's taken before. Um, and I don't think personally any performances will sway his opinion. Um, if you look at Harry Maguire, um, he's not performed. And at the end of the day, Southgate will still take him. So you look at that and, and that's what you see from Harry Maguire's perspective with poor form. You look at someone like James Madison, who's not been able to get in. Is Gareth Southgate going to take that player based on his recent performances or not? I doubt it, but I'm hoping to be proved wrong by Mr. Southgate for once. I can see if Madison isn't in the starting eleven, like fine because like for whatever reason it's fine. But if if he is not in that squad, like he has not been in the majority of the last few squads, it is criminal. I agree, but again, I also don't think Gareth Southgate is a a great manager and, and I don't think he picks the best sides or the best starting 11s in, in a lot of the games and, and sets up the right way but you know if he wins the World Cup and he brings it home then uh, I, I can't I can't say you know that he's not doing a good job but we'll have to see when the squad gets announced tomorrow Adam what's your thoughts because you're a big, big advocate of it's coming home it's coming home and no matter what and no matter the result and no matter the team it's coming home and, and all fair enough but like genuinely Fair enough, we don't need to go into a five, ten minute discussion because we've got the World Cup preview coming up next week, which I'm sure we'll talk about in length, especially when we know the squad. But just sort of very briefly, what what do you think of sort of the current England setup in terms of the favoured players? It's always been a thing, don't favour the players, play the players that are in form. And we started to look like we were coming away from that. And this last sort of six to 12 months, it seems like we fell back into that. What's your thoughts? Um, you know exactly why I'm a big advocate for it's coming home. And I have to say that on a serious note, I do agree with a lot of what Kemp says that with, with Gareth Southgate, it's too defensive minded. You, you've got to go out there and a- attack some of these teams from the off and make sure that you're you're controlling the game quite well. I think what he's done is we started to pick players that are in form. But what he's done is he's kept those same players as if they are still in form. And some of them have dropped off form, like you've mentioned before, Maguire, Pickford. Last season, Pickford was fighting until the very last game of the season um, with Everton to be relegated or not. And then he continued to get the number one shirt for England. And whilst his form hasn't been the worst for England, I think there's players out there that should have been called up in his place, starting in his place. I mean, Henderson had a, a fantastic season. Uh, Ramsdale, another player that's had a very good season last year. I think both of them, just like that, were, were, were clear choices to go above Pickford. For me, I'd still stand by Ramsdale, um, Henderson and Pope as, as the three goalkeepers that I'd take to the World Cup. Like you say, we'll hear more about that next week. But for me, I, I've got to say that we are too defensive and the setup at the moment is he's he's got to the semi-final of the World Cup, he got to the final of the Euros. Um, we we got play, we used players that got us there, but he stuck by those players, like you say, with the loyalty that is shown towards those players. It's not necessarily needed. They've lost form. We now need to pick players that, in their place, have gained form. If that makes sense. The thing is, though, you mentioned Pickford there. 
Pickford has actually been one of the players that I agree with keeping loyal to because even though he does look a bit like a T-Rex, T-Rex, T-Rex for uh, Everton, he actually plays really well for England. So, yes, there is a problem, in my opinion, with players like Maguire that haven't featured under Ten Hag at all and they haven't deserved to feature under Ten Hag even, even when Varane got injured. I think that Pickford deserves it because every time he puts on an England shirt, He's brilliant. You know? But aren't you going against England more time than England as well? So just because he's not playing for United. But that's the thing. For some reason, and and I'm probably wrong in this, but when I think of Maguire, I think of he's god-awful and has been god-awful for Manchester United for quite a long time. When I see Pickford, I think, he's not great, is he? But then when he puts on an English, it's like, wow. But... I don't know whether Maguire's level of shitness has made me think, you know, no matter what he does or no matter how well he's done for England before, we, we just can't take him because he's that shit. I don't know. I don't know whether it's that price tag. I don't know. But that's my thoughts on that. And I don't know if you agree with that or not. Probably not. But that's let's save it for the World Cup preview, shall we? Because five or ten minutes ago, I said, let's not spend five or ten minutes on this and save it for next week. So. Let's uh, let's Good move on point. to the task hand, which is previewing this weekend. Good point. And also, just to mention on that, we have got a World Cup preview show that Dawson's just mentioned coming next week. It will be a dedicated podcast to the World Cup. And I'm sure Adam will have some fantastic questions for us all. Um, so stay tuned for that one. one. Yeah, absolutely. One player that is going to be missing out from the World Cup, which uh, surprises a lot of people, is uh, Erling Haaland. He goes up against a Brentford side that have just lost, uh, as we mentioned yesterday, to 22nd place in League 2. Gillingham, it's just becoming natural now for for Erling Haaland to to score goals, isn't it? No matter, I I remember I I went on a last man standing last weekend. I put Manchester City down to win. I saw at half-time that it was 1-1 and I had complete faith that despite the fact that Haaland was on the bench, he would come on and he would score and all right one got disallowed but he still scored a 95th minute penalty that managed to keep me within last man standing and win the game for Man City we spoke earlier on in the week about how it seems to be a case of that's a champion sort of way of playing where they do grind out them sort of results but as long as they've got Erling Haaland it just seems natural that they're going to go on and win doesn't it yeah uh, they've got a test this weekend Chelsea are a bit of a funny team. Oh, sorry, that's not that's in the Carabao Cup, isn't it? Yeah. Who've they got this week? Brentford. 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 <laughs> Brentford. This weekend, you just mentioned. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm high. Are you listening? No, I'm high. Um, Brentford this weekend, they've just obviously been dumped out by by Gillingham, so they they might want to come back and and prove a point. Harland is a bit of a cheat code, as we all have probably seen and are aware. Uh, I, I think. He himself and City are a little bit of a different prospect than they were last year. Last year, they were just unbelievable, played fantastic football, played everybody off the park. But for me, and I don't know if you agree with me on this one, Dawson, they seem a bit more gritty this year. They seem as though they're grinding out results at times. And even if they're not creating loads and loads of chances and and nearly getting in there and just missing opportunities and not quite getting it, they seem to be really grinding it out, getting the result when it matters and playing more effective football rather than the beautiful football they probably played last year. I don't, I don't know if I'm talking shit there, Dawson, or... I'll be honest, mate. I'm just thinking about you grinding on me, but, um, yeah, to your point, I, compl- <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree, mate. They just, yeah, they seem to want to battle for it a little bit more. I, I really couldn't say what that's down to because it's not like they've made big changes. 
they used to, you know, win games where they were 70, 75% possession and playing teams off the park. And they're, they are still doing that. But yeah, there seem to be a, you know, a few more closer victories. And but again, it's just a sign of the talent that they've got that they're still winning those games. So yeah, they, they should win easily. If you're Brentford coming off of that defeat last night, I, I can think of a, a hell of a lot more games I'd rather be having next than Man City away. Um, so yeah, Erling Haaland he's got a break coming up with the World Cup coming up so he, you know he might go balls to the wall all out and then uh, put his feet up for a month in a jacuzzi somewhere so yeah I expect at least a three goal win for City uh, Here's a question though here's a question for both of you and I'll start with you Dawson I've just mentioned there uh, I've made a bit of a mistake doing it but I believe I'm just going to check with, with Adam on this one before I do talk about it they have got Chelsea in the Carabao Cup right? Is that before the World Cup is it? Is that next week? I assume so. If it's in the they've got them the uh, today. Yeah. Oh, so, tonight. Fair enough. Nine. Yeah. So, so, then, so they've it? got so they've got Chelsea in the Carabao Cup today at eight pm, and then they've got Brentford at the weekend. So Dawson, I'll start. Actually, Adam, I'll start with you. If you've got Chelsea at home, which is again not an easy game, they're not going to push over regardless because it's Chelsea. Do they start the first team against Chelsea and hope to get through in the Carabao Cup, or do they rest a few players and try and keep up? you know, keep pace with Arsenal at the top of the league. What do you think is most important to City at the moment? I think it's very difficult to assess that based upon the fact that there's going to be a break for the World Cup, which means there's going to be an extra month of fixtures where fixture congestion is going to come in. So the approach might be different to a regular season. If it's me, I'm I'm putting out a strong side. You want to obviously get as far as you can in these cup competitions. Um, same with, obviously, you want to be performing well in the league. But the thing with Man City that we've picked up on a few times is they've got a lot of squad depth. So you can by all means start early in Haaland today, give him the 70 minutes that he needs, um, maybe with the surrounding cast that he's got, De Bruyne in there as well, Rodri, uh, moving forward, those sort of players, I think they could still get a very good result against Chelsea, who, let's be fair, aren't really performing that well at all, so I think that they're just leaking goals at the moment, or leaking chances, should I say, defensively, and a side like Man City, you start Haaland, by half-time, I think City could be two or three goals up, and then you, towards the 60-65th minute, you could maybe rest Haaland, swap it around, let Alvarez play, and then on Saturday against uh, Brentford, maybe start Alvarez and half-time, maybe 50 minutes in, if you need to, bring Haaland on. If not, give him the rest. Dawson, do you agree? I'm sat here with the most confused look on my face, which in the future when we start doing video podcasts, you'll be able to see. But have I just listened to an answer to a question that compared or asked what is more of a priority, the EFL Cup or the Premier League? No. You haven't. I feel yeah. like I have. No, no. So, so, you've just, I'm sure so you've just asked, is, what's the so priority? My, no, so my, question is, so my question is, like, where, where is Pep's focus for this week? Because what, got where Chelsea, do you think? Hang on, hang on. You've got Chelsea in Carabao Cup, right? Chelsea right. aren't going to be a pushover, right? So what do you do? Do you go... Who gives we a want... fuck? It's in the EFL Cup. <laughs> you, you just fucking... You, fucking... you half an hour ago, the magic of the cup. The yeah, magic but, of yeah, the but cup. that's fine. That's fine. That's fine oh. for a Gillingham beating a fucking Brentford. Oh. Oh. But do City give a shit about the EFL well, Cup? Well, they've won it three times in the past four years, you Well twat. done. But you asked the question. You didn't ask, do they care about the EFL Cup? Do you think that... Where's the focus? EFL Cup or the Premier League? Where do you fucking think? Right. So do they care about the EFL Cup then? Yes, I think it's more. I think it's more the sides that they face, though, isn't it? 
I think exactly. it's more the sides that they face. They're facing exactly. Chelsea in the FL Cup and Brentford. So, but he said, where's his the... focus? Yeah, so yeah, more of like Chelsea for, or Brentford. for line-up. Premier League, whoever they're playing, is more of a focus than the EFL Cup, whoever they're playing. Every single day of the week. And if you want to even spend any more time discussing that or hypothesising or <laughs> spreading your opinions of what you think's in Pep's head, of he thinking, oh, I've got EFL Cup tonight, I'm, I'm going to put my... Yeah, I'm not too worried about Saturday. You're going to put your suit on? No, I'm going to put a strong side out and I'm fucking tripped over myself because I'm that mad that we've just oh. spent five minutes comparing the AFL Cup just because they're playing Chelsea against the Premier League, just because they're playing Brentford. Don't matter. It's not about the team. It's about the competition. Come on, lads. So how would you okay. approach it? Just fucking play a second string side to, tonight with a couple of experienced players in there and you go balls to the wall on Saturday. Of course you do. You've got Arsenal above them. They, they've dropped a couple of points against teams that they shouldn't do. They've got to focus on that to get knocked out tonight. It gives a fuck in the grand scheme of things. And do you know what's funny? Is that I honestly think Pep will start a strong side tonight. And it's fine. But we're sat here. Oh, it's all right as long as you say it's fine. <laughs> no, if you're no. listening to this, Dawson says it's fine. He's got my sign off. He's got my approval. <laughs> right, fuck that. Adam, let's move on. Uh, yes, so Manchester City, like you say, on uh, Saturday against Brentford. Uh, that's the early kickoff. The late, late kickoff at quarter to eight is Wolves against Arsenal. By this point, Arsenal could, of course, be second in the Premier League, depending on how Man City approach that. Uh, with Arsenal performing very well in the Premier League, again, you're going to be, be starting a very strong side. But you've always got that worry of, of upcoming towards the World Cup. You don't want to tie them out before they go into one of them competitions that when they come back, you're still going to have that sort of worry for some of these players, if that makes sense. So the likes of, of, of Saliba, Jesus, Xhaka uh, as well, them sort of players, Saka um, is another one, that are going off to the World Cup. You've got to be careful that they're going into this sort of big competition and, and the sides that the, the nations that they play for are expected to get quite far. So I think with Brazil, there's certainly an expectation that they're going to be in the latter stages of the tournament. So you've got to be careful not to overuse them, if that makes sense. I know club... For Arsenal, obviously, for Arteta, it'll be a case of club will come before country on this basis. But then when they come back off the World Cup, there isn't much of a, a gap there, is there, between when they get back and when they're expected to play again. So the fixture congestion is ridiculous for some of these players. How do you think Arsenal have to prepare themselves for, for playing up against Wolves, who, if I'm not mistaken, have very limited players going to the World Cup? Well, for me, you just summed it up there when you mentioned club over country for Arteta. And I think Arteta at this point in time, they've had a better start than everybody expected them to have. I think Arteta included. I think if you'd have said to Arteta at the start of the season, you're going to be top of the Premier League by the you know, by, by the time they go to the World Cup, I think he'd have absolutely snapped your hand off and, and you know, thanked you for the pleasure. Um, you mentioned there about the players that are going to the World Cup for Arsenal. You look at the players that are just in the Brazil side, you know, forwards especially, You've got Gabriel Jesus, you've got Gabriel Martinelli, uh, you've got another, the other Gabriel as well, I think, is going in, in defence. And they, they've got a real strong squad that are playing really well, but that also means in a World Cup season, you're going to get called up to the World Cup as well. So I think Garteta, personally, I think he's going to play the strongest possible side he can to make sure that they go into that World Cup break, top of the league and, and flying high. Uh, and he's got to hope, hope, hope and pray that if they do get far in the in the tournament, a few of the uh, international teams that his players play for, like I say, especially Brazil more than anybody else, you know, he'll be sat there with his fingers and his toes crossed to make sure that they come back uh, fit and healthy. Uh, so I don't know if you agree with that, Dawson, that hypothesis, or yeah, 
why should they have why should an Arteta or, or any single manager at any single club across Europe or, or even the world have in the back of their mind that the World Cup starts next week you know their job is to make sure that their club is, is as successful as possible it's not their fault that due to reasons that we'll get into next week no doubt uh, you know, World Cup is starting in a week's time and they're still playing football and they're going to have to return to football on Boxing Day, what, just over a week after the World Cup final? I was, yeah, it, it's club over country at this point. Some players themselves on pitch might not go 100%, might not have in, they might have in the back of the mind that they, they might not go into a certain tackle that they might have done before or anything like that. You know, Sadio Mane is missing the World Cup, which, again, we'll get into next week, but... For certain players, I'm sure that will be a little niggle in the back of their mind that this is the last opportunity to get injured and potentially miss the World Cup. But as a manager who's in charge of the team, you can't you can't have that in the back of your mind. Arsenal can't afford to drop points this weekend because Arteta's worrying whether or not three, four, five of his players might get a little bit of a niggle and miss the World Cup. He's got to go all out. OK, so we've spoken about how Man City are likely to approach um, the game against Chelsea tonight. How do you think Chelsea are likely to approach the game against Man City? They're out of form. They've not won in the last four games in the Premier League, including defeat to Brighton and Arsenal, draws with Brentford and Man United. On Saturday, they go up against Newcastle. Arguably, their game's tougher, or unarguably, I'd say, actually. Their game's tougher than the one that Man City have got on Saturday. Game of the weekend for me, that Newcastle-Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, I think when it comes to Chelsea... To be quite honest, and I come, I do, I do agree with Dawson that obviously, obviously, the Premier League is more important than the than the Carabao Cup. But I think with Graham Potter at the minute, I think he'll take it. I think he'll take a win. I think in that Chelsea dressing room, they just need a little bit of a morale boost. And I think if you go to the Etihad, no matter what competition you're in, whether it's the EFL Cup or the Johnston Fake Trophy, I think if you go to the Etihad and you get a win, especially against this Pep side, no matter who he fields. I think you come away from that with a lot of momentum and I think you'll take that into the Newcastle game. But the problem that they've got after that is that even if they do come out with a win and they get that great momentum against Newcastle, they're not playing again for over a month because of the World Cup. So it's it swings and roundabouts. But me personally, with, with, with Chelsea's uh, fixture tonight and then the one at the weekend, I think Graham Potter is going to have to risk it a little bit and try and, get, try and pick up a result against City tonight to hopefully take some... Some momentum into the weekend, Dawson. Yeah, just very quickly, um, I was just having a quick scroll through the rest of the games and, and things like that. Um, they've actually released the lineups for tonight, and Potter's playing kids. So is he? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, Newcastle Chelsea. Uh, we'll not spend too much more time speaking about tonight. Newcastle Chelsea for me is the game of the weekend. Massive, massive test for Newcastle in terms of where they stand against those big teams uh, they drew at United recently at Old Trafford they conceded very very late against Liverpool and were on the verge of taking a point there so so far they have played well against big teams beat Tottenham away as well recently this is a big test for them and, and for me that's box office football because like you said Adam Chelsea not in the best of form Newcastle one of the four form teams in European football as it stands there's going to be a lot of people starting to talk about Newcastle as a top four side if they come away for this weekend with three points and go into the World Cup you know sitting pretty around sort of where Man City are so taking that into account then who do you think it's a bigger game for Newcastle or Chelsea Newcastle 100% Kent would you agree with that 
it depends from what perspective you're looking at it. Because I think, yes, it's it's massive for Newcastle. It's huge. They've had an unbelievable start. I think one one of you guys mentioned that they were your surprise team of the season. And I, yeah, I can't, it was me. Yeah. I can't really disagree. I think I mentioned Arsenal and obviously for obvious reasons. But Newcastle have obviously they've, they've, they've defied all expectations so far this season. And credit has to go to the side and to Eddie Howe. But you've also got to look at it from a Chelsea perspective in the sense that they are desperately looking for some momentum. I think this season, depending on the ownership and, and how trigger-happy they are, Ow. <laughs> and they got rid of Tuchel very quickly, but I think this season, I think Potter has got a bit of a free hit. As long as they finish sort of top, top six, top seven, maybe top eight, I think they'll stick with him. Maybe mid-table. Maybe mid-table. Maybe they'll course, survive relegation. Not maybe. Last day. Maybe championship. But the, yeah. but the the point is, is that I think he's got a bit of a free hit to make you know to to bring his philosophy into Chelsea and to re- really give it a go next season. But Graham Potter himself and the players will really want that little momentum boost just before they go off to the World Cup, so that when they are back from Qatar, they can all sit down in the dressing room and say, "Hey lads, you know, just before we went, no matter how your World Cups went." You know, we just beat Newcastle. They were the form team. They're the team that everybody's talking about, and we beat them. That's good momentum, hopefully, for them to take forward. But again, you know, the, the World Cup in between, so I, it's difficult. I don't... It's a fucking shambles, World Cup being in November and December, in it? But again, we'll get into it next week. But the more I think about it, the more it's baffling me. Makes it uh, very difficult to keep the momentum going, like uh, we've all mentioned so far. Um, just before we do some up for, the, for football for the... Uh, preview show this week um a lock of the week from both of you so a player a goal scorer that you think from any of the games set to take place either saturday or sunday on this one skin we'll start with you so my team that is the lock of the week i'm gonna have to go ipswich at home to cheltenham cheltenham got knocked out of the fa cup last weekend to the lowest ranked team in the second round draw at alf church and they were playing at home as well ipswich are in phenomenal form at the minute top uh, sorry second in league one and, and turning their portman road i was trying to think of a home ground then into a bit of a fortress so yeah team of the week or lock of the week for the team is ipswich lock of the week for any time scorer i'm going to go paul mullen for wrexham away to wilston he's been an absolutely sensational form for wrexham he was doing very well last season he's been doing very well for a couple of seasons and he's just he, he can't seem to not score at the moment. So, yeah, Ipswich is my lock of the week for the team and Paul Mullins score for Wrexham for my uh, play to score. OK, Kemp? Lock of the week, I think, for me this week, I'd have to say Liverpool as much as it pains me. They have, you know, been struggling this season. It's it's quite obvious for everybody to see. But I think in the past few games, I think they've sort of shown more glimpses of their old selves especially players like Mo Salah, who, who seem to have disappeared towards the back end of last season and maybe at the start of this one. They're really starting to look like they, they're sort of turning the ship around a little bit. And it's unfortunate for them, as, as like we've said, you're going to lose momentum. But I think with Southampton, you know, letting Hasenhut will go, whether it's, it'll, it'll probably be a caretaker at this point. I know they're looking at getting Nathan Jones in, I think, for, for, the, for the role. Uh, but he won't be in situ on, on Saturday and it likely to be taking place after the World Cup. So, lock of the week for me, uh, Liverpool. And I think, to be fair, it's, it's a very, very boring prediction. But Mo Salah for, for, for goal scorer and, yeah, for, for any time scorer, 
I think Mo Salah might run rampant, you know, this weekend. So I'm going Liverpool and Mo Salah rather boringly. Adam? Um, I'm going to go with Blackburn. I've taken a big risk on this because on Sunday, Blackburn make the trip to Turf Moor to play Burnley as second in the Championship meets first. Um, With a win, Blackburn can go top and they've lost just one in the last six games. We all know what happened to Burnley at the weekend. uh, Despite leading at half-time, went on to a 5-2 defeat against Sheffield United. Um, So for me, I think Blackburn and the the fact that they can go into the World Cup break as the top of the Championship, I think is enough momentum to see them uh, a little bit further through as well. So I'm going to go with uh, Blackburn to beat Burnley. Um, As for goal scorer... Um, I'm I'm trying to avoid the the typical boring um, prediction of going for someone like Haaland or or for Salah that's kind of uh, kind of expected. So I'm going to go for um, Wilfred Zaha for uh, for Crystal Palace away against Notts Forest. Despite being bottom, I think Forest have been very unlucky to have conceded the amount of goals they have with Henderson's sort of performances as well. I think a side like Crystal Palace is going to struggle to create too many chances against them. So I think it's a bit of an outlandish claim. But I think that Zaha is going to go in and um, and get a goal against Nottingham Forest. So that's my uh, my lock of the week. Um, just one back extra it. pun. Back it. Back it. Oh, back it. Right. I didn't know what you said. <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett, mate. We're not on the NFL yet, mate. Come on. Oh, we'll move on to that in a moment then. One last one uh, with a couple of minutes left to go. Wildcard team. So from a fixture this weekend, a side that you think is going to uh, upset the odds anywhere in the, in uh, in the football league. Yes, I'll let you have the National League as well, Skin, if you wanted. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that, mate. You know what? I'm going to go Middlesbrough away at Norwich. Uh, they've got a massive win this week. Michael Carrick's just taken over. There's a lot of memes on Twitter about the kind of football they've, they're playing. Prime Barcelona, Pep Guardiola only owns one book, and it's Michael Carrick's autobiography and all that kind of stuff. Norwich, as we know, very, very good uh, championship team. Very good at Carrow Road as well. But if we're going for wild card. I'll give Middlesbrough a shout-out to beat Norwich this weekend. Me, personally, I'm going to go for Leeds away at Tottenham because I think Jesse Marsh has really shown some character and some grit. Over Ted Lasso. The- yeah, Ted Lasso, yeah, he, he wishes. He wishes. <laughs> we all yeah, wish. but, I mean, unbelievable game at the weekend, uh, if anybody saw, you know, with, with the... the the thing they came from, what is it, 3 1 down or 3 2? They, they yeah, won 3 1 down. Essentially, they won 4 3 in, in the dying embers of the game. And you saw what it meant to him, you saw what it meant to the fans. And my, my picks and my locks of the week are Liverpool and Leeds this week, which doesn't feel great, but it is what it is. Uh, but I think he's he's definitely got a little bit of momentum behind him now. And I think he was really struggling at one point. But fingers crossed this weekend for him and, and for Leeds United they can go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and cause a bit of a bit of a ruckus because Tottenham don't look don't look brilliant at the moment. So for me, I think upset of the week, and I absolutely will not back this and I wouldn't recommend anybody do that. <laughs> uh, but I think Leeds away at Tottenham. Adam? Um I'm gonna go with Southampton away against Liverpool. Um I think it's a bizarre claim, but I feel it could just happen. Liverpool do have that bit about them where if they have turned the corner, fair enough, this is going to be a, a clear Liverpool win by four, five, maybe even six goals. If not, then I think Southampton have a, 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 in a side that a very good chance of getting something out of the game. Even if it's just a point, I'm sure they'd take that away at Anfield considering the fact that they're still in relegation. Um, but but I've, I'm going to go with Southampton against Liverpool. I do think it's a bit of a bizarre claim. 
But there we go. That's what it's there for. Um, in just a few moments' time, we are going to be talking NFL, previewing Week 10 action, including the Seahawks against the Bucks, the first game to take place in Munich. Welcome back to the Loaded Sport Preview Show. We're now going to look towards Week 10 in the NFL season. Kicking things off on Thursday night is the Panthers against the Falcons. And I can't think of a more boring game to kick off Week 10. Tell you what, they've had a good run of it this year with Thursday night football, and they? Amazon have come in, spent a fuckload of money on it, spending, what, $44 million a game on average, is it? I might have got that wrong and misremembered what the stat is, but they aren't off. Oh, paying for some bad matchups this season um, and the less we spend talking about it it probably the better Carolina clearly building for the future trading away CMC sending down trade requests for DJ Moore and Brian Burns at trade deadline but yeah I think Falcons will win but I can't see it being a, an exciting game with the highlights the next day being that long I don't know what either of you two think uh, for me Panthers, Falcons, again, I can't think of many more boring games on the schedule. Are the Panthers going to tank for a high draft pick? I mean, I suppose PJ Walker's looked a little bit excited. He's been a little bit of a surprising element of, of the Panthers team so far. I don't know if you'll agree with that. But, yeah, it's it's there's, there's there are very few exciting sparks in a very boring game, Adam. Yeah, I think PJ Walker's really been a standout performer for them. I don't know if he was given the idea that maybe he was going to be the starter after Bridgewater left last year, and he, and um, obviously Baker then came in and, and took that spot from him. I think he's given a very good account of himself until, of course, he was removed at the weekend, and I believe it was up against uh, the Browns that then Baker went and threw, was it two touchdowns that Baker threw in the second half when PJ Walker had been removed from the game? So I don't know yeah. whether they're going to stick with Baker or whether they're going to go with PJ Walker. I think Walker's given himself a very good reason why he could be a starter there. But I think it's just one of them things, isn't it? They paid a fair bit to get Baker there. They're going to stick with him, aren't they, and see just what they can do, especially if they're going into a rebuild. I mean, a loss isn't going to be the, the end of it for them, is it? No. And I think there have been reports over the past couple of days that they are thinking about sticking with PJ Walker. So if you are going to go with a more of a wild card, see what the kid can do, then that's that's what they need to do. And if they are looking at that little bit of a rebuild and see what they've got and see what pieces they need to add and what pieces they need to take away, they need to get as many people suited up as possible. So they've got a good idea as to what they need next season. Also, if you, I mean, like we we just mentioned that it's a boring game, but we spent we all spent a couple of minutes talking about it, so it can't be that bad. Well, you've just brought me back into the conversation, mate, because I completely switched off. So if you say my name was to get an answer to a question you've just asked me, I have fucking no idea what you said. Fair enough, then, Adam. Take it away for the next game. Fuck it. With the Falcons, <laughs> if they win, they can, can go to the top of the NFC South can, heading can. into the weekend. <laughs> With a win, they can go 2.5 and heading into the weekend as top of the NFC South. Uh, that is until, at the very least, the Bucks take on the Seahawks on Sunday in Germany at 2.30. And I think, with uh, part, except for when I saw Brady do that drive at the final play against the Rams, I actually had a fair bit of confidence going into this game. Pre-season, when I saw it, I thought there's absolutely no chance it's a given loss. But I've got everyone, a little mate, bit of so confidence. Don't feel too bad about it. Well, no, I've got a bit of confidence about it this time. I think we could be going to seven and three heading into our bye week. I think there's a very realistic chance now that that 
with the way the defense is playing and the way that Gino stepped up as well, I, I can't see why we can't beat the books. I think I'd, I'd probably put us as favourites heading into it, considering how bad uh, the books' offense seems to have been. It's kind of a given at the minute for me. I don't know if you two agree. Gun to your head, make your prediction. Who wins? Go Hawks. Interesting. ESPN has 83% back in the books, which I think you've still got to, even though Seahawks six and three, books are four and five. But as you said, that final drive against the Rams, you would assume that at some point the wheels will start to fall off a little bit for the Seahawks. Pete Carroll's been in, in the news today. He's took a couple of shots at Russell Wilson subtly and, and not directly, but talking about Geno's going off the wristband, he's listening, he's not resisting what they're trying to do with the team, and that's why they're doing so well or, or much better than what people expected. It's obviously a bit of a, a subtle dig at, at Russ in terms of how he might have wanted to take control of the team or not quite have, have been open to coaches' suggestions and things like that. So I think Gene, there were a lot of raised eyebrows when Gino got announced as the starter in preseason. But nine games in, they're six and three, and Adam's confident that they're going to play the books and, and they're going to win the game. So that says a lot about the the positive impact he's had on that team. Fifteen touchdowns, four interceptions. You can't really really argue too much with that, and you can't be unhappy with it, can you? So I, I think Bucks win personally, but it should be a, a decent game. They'll be looking to entertain the fans in Germany. Yeah, I think I agree. Buccaneers are going to come away with the with the victory on that one. Come away with the wick to wick, as Alex Wright, the German, would say. I think after a little boogie. Yeah, <laughs> I think the Buccaneers are going to have enough. But the Seattle Seahawks are very, very well organised defensively, so it's not going to be a walk in the park for Brady. And I do think he's going to have to come out with some Tom Brady magic to uh, to, to to pull the game away. But I think it's going to be an interesting game, Adam. Just a quick one on what, what Skin mentioned then about Pete Carroll taking a shot at Russell Wilson. Was it a shot at Russell Wilson? It's the same as what people... Anytime Russell Wilson's done a press conference, they've looked into it as he's taken a shot at the Seahawks. Anytime Pete Carroll's made a comment at all about a quarterback or about anything that's gone on with the Seahawks, like with Tyler Lockett actually as well the other day, it seems to be that everyone's just taking shots at Russell Wilson. Is it just looking too much into it, don't you think? Okay, so let me... Can I just give um, two quotes on this? Yeah. And then you can answer your own question. If you don't mind, Kemp, I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So the two quotes are this, which led me to say what I said. And again, Adam, I'll read them. And then you decide if you think they are a shot at Russ or not. So the first one is, if you notice, Gino's going off the wristband. And that's a big help. It smoothed things out, sped things up, cleaned things up. And that's part of it too. We never did that before. There was resistance to that. So we didn't do that before. That's the first quote. Second quote, when Shane says something to Gino, he's not doubting it. He's just going with it. So there's a real immediate flow and that accelerates all the process. So you tell me and you answer your own question. I feel there may be shots at Russell Wilson. There we go. I've been convinced. Right, we'll move on to the Bears against Lions. Um, the first of the uh, six o'clock games on Sunday. Um, two sides that, uh, I mean, the Lions look like they're constantly rebuilding, but the players just don't seem to be moving things forward for them whereas the Bears for the what is it now eighth consecutive year are in a rebuild yeah eighth or eighth decade <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think Justin Fields to be honest I think that game last week really will have done him a great deal you know dealt him a great deal of confidence I think coming up against the Detroit Lions is going to be a, um, a fairly difficult test for Fairly, fairly difficult test for him, but I think he'll come through with flying colours, and I do think the Chicago Bears are going to come through with that one. 
I think it's team rebuild versus team rebuild, isn't it? So you never know. Any given Sunday, as we've said, but I think the Bears come out on that one, Dawson. I think high-scoring game, entertaining for the neutral, not so entertaining for Tina. It can't be good for anyone's blood pressure to be a, a Bears fan, but they have been very impressive these last few weeks and, and Fields starting to look like the kind of player that he was at my college team, Ohio State. Yeah, he, he looks like he's morphing into a little bit of a... A little bit of a Lamar Jackson regen, but there's a, there's a long way to go in his career, and he's got to do it a lot more consistently before he starts getting compared to that level of player. Lions, we spoke about them recently, Adam. They can't get the job done. They're very entertaining. They're scoring a lot of points for the most part, but they can't seal the deal. Beat Packers at the weekend. Is that the bit of momentum, that bit of confidence that they need? Who knows? But like I said, I, I can't really pick a winner on that. Gun to my head, I'll actually go Lions, but I, I do think it'll be a good game for the neutral. I think it's going to be a Lions win. Again, a high-scoring game, or at least for the Lions, I think it'll be a high-scoring game, um, and the Lions will will get their third win of the season. Um, up next, the Dolphins against the Browns. Tyreek Hill, of course, setting the record for the uh, the quickest player to get um, 1,000 receiving yards within a season, having done it by week nine. Jalen Waddell isn't too far behind, but they're up against the Browns that are preparing, potentially, for the return of Deshaun Watson to the NFL. Um, I believe that is in two or three weeks' time. Yeah, week 13. Week 13, yeah, he's expected back. Naturally, he's going to start over um, Brissett, but the Dolphins, I think, for this game, for me, the, the Dolphins are going to win it. It's it's so difficult to be able to stop them two wide receivers at the moment, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And everybody was a bit unsure before the season started when Tyreek said that Tua is the best player uh, player he's ever had throw at him the best quarterback to ever throw the ball to him and considering the fact that the other player in the NFL was Patrick Mahomes I think that's a very big statement and to his make or break year that a lot of people were calling it he's coming out showing exactly what he's all about and I think the Dolphins will have more than enough to see off the Browns quite convincingly I don't know about you Skin no I completely agree mate not much more to say or, or disagree with what you just said there I think Dolphins should win relatively easily I'll go by at least two scores yeah I mean I think I, I don't know I agree uh, I'm going to go with Miami Dolphins beating the uh, Cleveland Browns fairly handily. I think the the biggest thing about the Miami Dolphins this season is that they've got they've got uh, at Ben Musgrove a triple threat of, of of offensive weapons. You know, Tua can move. He can move himself. And when you've got two receivers that he's got, the, the receiving core that he's got, who do you cover? Who do you double team? Who do you you know who do you put man coverage on? It's such a difficult offense to stop, and I don't think as uh, yeah the Cleveland Browns have got the facilities to uh, to stop it. Unfortunately, Adam. Up next, Titans against Broncos. Broncos who just can't get anything going at all on offense. Up against the Titans that just have a ridiculous running game at the moment with, with obviously Derrick Henry. It's what a lot of people expected. But Malik Willis starting to settle in a little bit now. Kemp, I'll come to you first on this one. Myself, I'm going to go with the Titans win. I'm going Titans as well. And I think this will try its best to fight. Try. Try. It's best to fight Panthers and Falcons for the most boring game of the week, personally. But I think the Titans will run the ball down, down the Broncos' throat. And I think they'll come out with a fairly comfortable victory as well, Dawson. You know what I've got? What I think about Derek Emery, we spoke about in the review show earlier in the week. He's in my top three for the MVP race in terms of what he brings. Adam, you said there about Malik Willis settling in. Not really sure what planet you're living on. He completed five passes at the weekend against the Chiefs. It is Derek Emery's team. Credit, listening to it back, 
credit to the defense as well because i was talking about over the last three weeks the 24 combined passes and all that kind of stuff two of those games they've limited the teams are playing to 10 points so that will help massively a big credit to the defense but on offense it's the Derek Henry show nobody else is relevant if they can block the defense if they can let him get a bit of space he's winning them games at the minute so I'm yeah. not saying Malik Willis is settling into the extent that he's going to be setting records or pulling up any trees or anything like that. I think it's more that he's starting to settle into how things are going with the Titans' offense. Yeah, a lot of it does run through Derrick Henry, if not all of it running through Derrick Henry, and he does do very minimal passing if he can, but that's him settling into it as, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he took a big confidence knock when he got drafted, was it third, fourth round in the end, after a lot of people had him uh, top 10, top 20 picks within the draft so he's got to get his confidence back up again and I think some of the plays that he's, he's been making on the ground himself um, I think shows that he's starting to settle in and I think up against the Broncos I think you'll really start to see a bit of a sign so I'm going to go with him as the sort of wild card player that you're going to see this weekend and we'll come on to that um, very big game up next one that we can actually find a lot of entertainment in talking about the Bills against the Vikings and we'll start with you on this one Skin. Well, breaking news in the last hour or so at time of recording this, uh, Sean McDermott has come out in, in the press and said that, that Josh Allen is currently day-to-day. So if he's unable to start at the weekend, it'll be Case Keenum, the former Vikings quarterback facing his former team. So where where do we stand in terms of discussions and predictions? If it is straight-up full-strength Vikings against full-strength Bills, you've got to back the Bills. Vikings have so far this season played three teams where they've had to play the backup quarterbacks the first choice has been injured this potentially the fourth game of this season so yeah without Josh Allen it's a bit of a closer game we I, I still don't know I think the Bills are very well coached again if if you're forcing me to make a prediction without Josh Allen I will go with a, a very close Vikings win but assuming that Allen pulls through is a, is a tough guy he's, he's pushed himself through injuries before Bills, uh, Bills take him, make Vikings go seven and two. Kempo, what about you, mate? You've got a bit of a a soft spot for some of the Vikings players, Justin Jefferson, players like that, being former LSU your college team. Where do you think they stand with playing a, a Bills with Allen versus a Bills without him? I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Bills with Allen is a Bills win. A Bills without is a, is a Vikings win, in my opinion. I think Vikings for, for me have been one of the the surprise packages of the NFL so far this season. They're seven and one. I don't. I'm not sure if you boys thought that the Vikings would be seven and one after this. You know, after the the, the schedule that they've had. But I can't say that I did. No, but also, not. as I mentioned already, they've they've played three teams who have had to play the backup quarterback because their first choice has been injured. So a little bit of luck in there on, on their side yeah, as well. I but that. they're seven and one. They've no, still won games. I understand that. I get that. But you've still got to win the game, like you say. And I do think if, like you say, if, if the Bills are full strength and the Vikings are full strength, I think the Bills, you know, take it away. But it's going to be an interesting game regardless. And even if Allen does suit up, it's an elbow injury. It's a funny one for, for a quarterback especially. So, Adam... Well, as, as much pointed or... out, he can't make tonight's recording, but as much pointed out that the UCL injury is basically the equivalent of an ACL injury in the knee. And we know how much impact that can have on a player's ability to perform at full strength or perform at all so you know if it is as bad as what it's starting to look like it might not just be a case of him missing one week it could be two or three and considering the division they're in and you know Jets are playing well beat them at the weekend Dolphins that we just spoke about likely to go to seven and three this weekend if he does miss one two maybe even three games 
they could really be struggling to reach the playoffs by the time he comes back. Yeah, I'm going to go with a Bills win regardless, I think. I, I can't see Josh Allen missing it myself. From him saying day-to-day, it gives me a little bit more confidence that Allen will be playing this weekend. If you saw on the last play, I know they're not going to want to aggravate it any worse, in, obviously heading towards um, the second half of the season, but the play that he, he tried to make towards, I think it was Gabe Davis at the very end that was broken up by Gardner, that was whilst he'd got that injury. And I get it's not in his throwing arm, so that helps a little bit. But I think that he'll be able to get through it regardless. I think with it being day-to-day and them saying it's day-to-day, I think he'll be able to play. If he doesn't, I still feel that the Bills, I'm confident the Bills would be able to beat the Vikings. Yeah, they're 7-1 and one, and a lot of people are surprised by that. I don't think, I, I think Stefan Diggs and, and Gabe Davis will still be able to give a, um, a helping hand to, to Keenum if he does come in. And I think that run game will, will still be, whilst it's not the greatest, um, I'd say even in uh, the AFC East, I'd say it'll still be able to... Uh, to play a big part in helping them uh, over the line against the Vikings. Moving on to the next game is the Giants against the Texans. I'm feeling that there will only be one winner in this, and I'm going to go with the Giants um, because the Texans are absolutely hopeless. Kemp, we'll come over to you as a Giants fan first. Yeah, so I'm going to take the New York Giants, as you said, Adam. Uh, I think I am... Again, more of a conservative Giants fan than a lot of people. I'm not getting too carried away, even though we are six and two. But we're off the bye week. Uh, we've got, a, I think we've got Galladay back this week as well, and he's not pulled up any trees for us. But he is a top. He had planted any seeds, mate, to ruin a tree. Come on. But I think he is a he is a class receiver and, and class is permanent. So I'm going to go the New York Giants by at least a couple of scores, which is something we've not done all season. I don't think. Dawson, what do you think? Um, I'm just going to keep it nice, short and sweet and say Giants pull off a, another fourth quarter comeback. Texans will play better than people expect on the back of Pierce and they will turn around a fourth quarter deficit to win another game and go 7-2. and two. I've just got a question to both of you and we're going to start, uh, Kemp, with you because I've just picked up on with you saying their skin about Pierce. We've mentioned earlier about the Titans, it being Derek Henry's offence. A lot of what we're talking about and a lot of what the, the, the supporters of NFL teams are talking about is how it is very much a running backs offense. Running backs are carrying teams. I mean, we, we've heard a couple of comments towards maybe Saquon Barkley helping out the Giants enormously. We've sp- seen obviously McCaffrey was carrying the Panthers. Now he's still a very big part of of the Niners, and he's only been there for two weeks. How much is it becoming more of a running backs league than it is relying on the quarterback? Uh, Kent, we'll start with you. I don't think it is becoming more of a running backs league. I, I do disagree. I think that the, you look at the the the, um, the contributions of running backs such as Derek Henry and even Saquon Barkley for, for the New York Giants this season has been absolutely fantastic. But at the same time, you know the, the quarterback is the most important position on the field. Everybody knows that. There's a reason the quarterbacks are earning more than anybody else on the entire field and and in the game, and that's because they're the most important. You know the most important guys. You, you've not just got throwing the ball to to the receivers, you've got your snap count, you've got to make sure that everybody knows where they are and what they're doing, you've got to make sure the running back's in the right decision. So I think you've got to have a, a capable offensive line and a capable quarterback for, for a running back to, to do anything anyway. So I do agree that some running backs are very, very important to their, to their schemes and to their franchises, but I think it's an exception rather than a rule, to be honest, Dawson. I don't know if you agree. I completely agree, mate. It's There aren't that many teams that are really, really sort of carrying themselves on the back of a running back and 
yeah, I, th- I think passing yards get higher and higher and, and everything else like that rules come in to protect the quarterbacks even more. So it will only increase in terms of becoming a passers league. So let's just go through the rest of the weekend's fixtures in uh, week 10. Kemp, we'll start with you. Your prediction for the Chiefs against the Jags. Kansas City Chiefs uh, by a couple of scores at least. The Jacksonville Jaguars have shown a little bit of promise, but I think the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs come away with it, Dawson. Chiefs by 21. Adam, what about you? I'm not going to say by 21, but I'm going to agree with you on a Chiefs win. Um, up next, Steelers against Saints. Skin, we'll start with you on this one first. That is a tough one because I'm not that confident in either side, to be honest. But I will go with Saints by a very late field goal. Um, Adam, go on, mate. You have a go with this one. I'm going to go Steelers. Um Sim, well, I, I say Saints is predominantly around Alvin Kamara. I think Steelers with uh, Kenny Pickett will uh, finally start to uh, find some rhythm after the bye week camp. Saints by a <laughs> late field goal. It's going to be a really boring game. Saints will barely come away with it and it'll be one to forget. There we go. Moving on to the first of the uh, later games, Raiders against Colts. Two sides that people probably expected to be doing better than they are doing at the moment. I'll start with this one and I'm going to say Vegas. I think um, the Colts just seem to be struggling way too much um, and the Raiders just have too much on offence to, uh, to to beat them. Kemp? I'm going to go with the Colts. They've just got rid of the head coach. Uh, their interim coach I think has brought in a new play caller for the, for the game against the Raiders. Whether that will change things up a little bit give the players a little bit more freedom I'm thinking Colts, and to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure why, but I've just got a feeling, Dawson. Everyone loves an underdog, mate, but Raiders Raiders by 10 for me. There you go. go. Next one, a division game in NFC West. The Rams against the Cards, both sides off the back of defeats. I really can't call this one. Both sides look quite bad from what we've seen so far this season, but I'd probably edge it to the Cards skin. Uh, first of all, I wish you'd edge me. I knew uh, it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I expected it. You laughed before I finished. You laughed before I, I started. I could have counted it down. Could have counted <laughs> it down. Carry on. Um, like you, Adam, it's a tough one to call. It. You would have expected this at the start of the season to be in an absolute prime time game of the season contender, and it might be on the day. But out of the combined what seventeen games, they've won six between them. So I've. It would have been a small percentage of people that would have had that as a number of wins between them at this point in the season. But I'm going to go cards with this one. Kemp, what are you thinking, mate? Ramsey, your second team, are you backing them or are you not really sure? I'm going to go cards. I think the Rams have, we discussed it before, it was win now. They won and then since then they've looked like a shell. They've got a bit of rebuilding to do. I'm going to go cards. Okay, next one, Green Bay against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, what, again, would be classed as a very big game seems to be narrowed down by the fact that uh, Green Bay can't seem to get much offence going. And for that reason, I'm going to go uh, with the Cowboys. Kemp? Unfortunately, the Dallas Cowboys are going to take this one. I don't want to say any more on it. Dawson? I wish Sam was here. He's, he's still in Orlando. Um, I'm sure if he was here to preview this game, he would have plenty to say. And I'm even more sure that when he's back and joining us, he will have plenty to say about how the Packers are getting on this season. But yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Cowboys as well. 
There we go. All three for the same team again. Moving on to 49ers against Chargers. I'm going to say this one with... I'm going to go with the 49ers. I don't like it, but I'm going to have to go with it because um, Chargers just seem to be leaking points at the moment. I think they've got a good defense, but it's, it's not showing on the field at the minute. Skin? Yeah, I agree, mate. 49ers, I think they're, they're starting to play a little bit better. McCaffrey's had a extremely positive start for them. Um, Chargers are in good form, to be fair. They've won four out of the last five, and San Fran have won three out of the last five. But last weekend, beat the Rams convincingly. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go with San Fran on this one. Kem, what about you, mate? I'm going 49ers as well. They've come off the bye week, giving them a chance to get a bit of rest in, you know, rest up and get healthy for the Chargers game. It's a big game, and I think it'll be a tight game, but I think the 49ers are going to win. A nice little NFC East game next. Philadelphia Eagles, Washington Commanders. I'm going to go with Philadelphia, and they're going to continue that unbeaten streak. Kemp? Yeah, Mojib, you're going to go 9-0. and You're going to go 9-0. and Philadelphia Eagles look unstoppable. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna walk away with this one. I think fairly comfortably, Dawson. I agree. That's it. We'll move on to the lock of the week now, where we'll look at uh, a touchdown scorer and a team that you feel might surprise a couple of people this weekend. So I'll start with uh, Tuba Hubbard. I think that when he's back from his injury, he's used predominantly from the Panthers now as a, a third down back. He'll he gets a couple of receptions, but also in the short yardage potentially to uh, to push over the line as well. I think Deontay Foreman's going to be their first choice and with his performances since McCaffrey left, probably rightly so. Um, but I think Hubbard at any time to get a touchdown and looking back at the predictions we've already made, I'm going to go with uh, the Steelers as the team. I think it's time for Pickett to uh, pick things up and, and start to show the people of Pittsburgh why he was chosen when he was in the first round. Um, that was some impressive alliteration there. It was lovely, wasn't it? Thank Pick you. It, picking it up with picks and picking. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. I'll tell you what, I know what I love even more. It's Adam's rogueness on this whole lock of the week and pick of the week for a scorer. Like it's meant to be who you're confident in, and Adam's having none of that and he's going for the wild cards and, and the underdogs. So But if not? it happens it looks better, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Why pick it the ones that everyone else is picking? Um I'll pick this one up and, and I'll go next if you don't mind, Kemp. Yeah. Uh, in terms of my lock of the week for the team, I'm gonna go the Kansas City Chiefs over Jacksonville Jaguars. And for any time scorer, I'm gonna go for the former Stanford star uh, Christian McCaffrey as an anytime touchdown scorer for 49ers against Chargers on Sunday night football. Kemp, back, go on then, mate. What's your back with, back with the alliteration there? I love that. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, sorry Sam, are my lock of the week. Absolutely no question about it. The Cowboys have just got way too much for a gun-shy Green Bay Packers at this moment in time. In terms of a touchdown scorer, I think there's a plethora of touchdown scorers you can you can. You had to from. get it in, didn't you? Had to get it in. Had to get it in. Just an FYI and a little bit of a a little bit of an insight to to all the listeners out there. Plethora is one of, if not Kemp's favourite word. So that's why I had to pick up on him having to force it in there. It's not forced. It's it's absolutely. It fit. It fit, mate. It's absolutely fine. Absolutely perfect. It's but you perfect. went into that sentence thinking I'm going to get plethora in here. Yeah. No. You might be right on that one. I'm going to go with a. It's it's difficult, like I say, because there's just so many opportunities and people that I think are going to get touchdowns. But I think Saquon Barkley is going to get a touchdown this week, and this is probably me with heart more than head. Uh, I think Saquon Barkley is a lock to get a touchdown against the Texans, Adam. So for locks of the week, then, we've got a Chiefs, Steelers and Cowboys treble. 
And for the anytime touchdown trouble, we have got Hubbard, CMC and Barkley. So if anyone fancies that, either of those is a little bit of a trouble. I think both will have a, a pretty tasty price on that. But Ag, I'll, uh, I'll let you finish up, mate. That's everything for this week. So close us off. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for listening. That wraps up our first preview show here on Loaded Sports. Skin, where can everybody find us on social media? They can find us if you search for Loaded Sport on Spotify, YouTube and Facebook. Give us a like, a su- uh, subscribe, should I say, and a follow at Loaded Sport on Twitter. Again, give us a follow and like and retweet any of our posts, trailers, uh, episode postings, that kind of stuff, and on Instagram at loaded underscore sport. We'll put some clips up, some reels up, all the usual stuff, um, and just try and give everyone a bit of an insight into what a full episode looks like. So, again, any likes, any shares, any recommendations to friends that you know sport will be uh, much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you very much for listening and keep an eye out for the next one next week with the World Cup preview as well.